<clears throat> hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Weekly Chit Chat. So this is a special midweek episode, um, as events around the world are constantly changing at all times. Sometimes we have to change too, right? So I decided let's do a midweek episode and talk about what the hell is happening in Ukraine. Uh, so helping us talk and understand this war, we have a special guest, Alec, um, who will be a frequent guest talking about the more complicated topics um, on this podcast. So we're going to have Alec introduce himself, talk about some of his background and interests, then we'll get more into the war, take a quick break, and then I'll come back and talk about how to stay positive during tough times. So let's get started. Hello, Alec. Hello, how are you? I am great. We are so happy to have you here today. Um, can you give us a quick introduction about yourself? Well, uh, my name is Alec, and I'm a mechanical engineer. I live in the Midwest, and in my spare time, I'm a little bit of a tech nerd, a tech enthusiast. And an avid newsreader, correct? Correct. That is awesome. Something we definitely need um, here, especially during these times. So thank you so much. And let's get more in-depth to what's happening with this war. So basically, I've been watching the news all day, and my simple summary is that Russian troops launched a broad assault um, on Ukraine from three different sides uh, early Thursday morning, um, an attack that began with explosions before dawn, before dawn in the capital of uh, Kiev and other cities. So I so was watching the news and I was seeing Ukraine's leadership calling it a full-scale war. Um, and then I saw our own President Biden saying that they will hold Russia accountable um, for the international law and, you know, a threat to European security. Wow. Uh, first thing, is this World War Three? The biggest question I've been getting asked today, is this World War Three? Well, it's not World War Three yet, but it is the biggest conflict that Europe has seen um, since probably World War Two. Right. Um, and I think that's really important um, to understand that, I mean, so it has, how do I say this correctly? Um, you know, I'm seeing so many posts on social media and all over that are basically saying that we're in World War Three, And I've also seen, so today I saw somebody post images of, Russia blowing up Ukraine's airport systems, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I couldn't find that in the news, though. Well, there's a lot of differing news going around because it's pretty chaotic on the ground in Ukraine. So, you know, when I woke up this morning, I heard that all of their airports had been captured. But over the course of the day, I'm hearing that maybe some of them haven't been captured yet or that the Ukrainian army has pushed them back at some of these airports mm. so basically can you give us a quick summary of just what's happening over there and why is it happening and what does this mean for other people who are not directly there right now right so um basically the the rundown as you said is that russia has launched a pretty large-scale military operation inside of ukraine um 
it's happening very fast. Uh, the Russian military seems to have started off launching uh, cruise missiles and rockets and artillery at Ukraine in, in various areas, and then they followed it up with missile attacks, like you said, on the air on the airports. And uh, I, I've also heard that they have tanks and troops that are coming into some of their towns. Yeah, um, they do. I know that the first thing that Russia did, like any good attack system, is they first went after communication they took out with cyber attacks. Then they went to air defense. They try to take out basically any place in UK that is going to be able to provide air support to their own people. They went after there first. They went after, you know, missiles on civilians. Um, all of these things, you know, it's a very good strategy. But it's a very typical strategy of war. It's very typical. Um, and I was... Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um... Have communication have to air defense. Oh. Um, so after they went after all of these common methods, um, the next big thing that I see happening is misinformation and disinformation. So with that being said, I have seen that uh Putin, mm -hmm. right? He's been spreading to his people all day that they would never hurt civilians. And I guess Putin's trying to control their narrative in a way that makes them look good. Mm -hmm. And we have the UK, but we have, you know, stories coming out from just hundreds of civilians and people, also videos and that kind of thing. Um, why do you think he's... Do, do you think these... His, his people are scared, like they are. But what do you think the point is trying to change that narrative? Even just a little would be to his people. What is he pushing for like yeah. to spread their attack out well he's it, it, you got to understand it's a lot of it is a mind game right because everything that he's saying he knows that his people in russia are going to be listening but then also the rest of the world so when he says something it, his aim is more than likely to make himself look like the good guy to the people that are his citizens mm -hmm. and then also sow confusion and doubt among people outside of his country. So like you said, there's a lot of misinformation out there, especially, you know, on the internet, they have whole teams of people that just go on like Facebook and Twitter and will just say false things. Like one of the big ones I saw today was that there was, uh, a disinformation campaign about whether Poland had closed its borders to uh, Ukrainian refugees. And that is completely false. The borders are open, right. but they just, they're trying to sow that, that fear and that mm -hmm. uncertainty out there to, to keep people guessing and not know what the actual truth is because you know, that this is, this is what modern warfare looks like. It's not just, giving people a gun and sending them out into the trenches it's multi-vector attacks you know mm -hmm. you, you have the, the the missiles flying and the tanks rolling down the streets but you also have you know cyber attacks and and disinformation spreading on the internet mm -hmm. so all of that's kind of working together and 
that's the reason it's been so hard to react to because this is one of the first modern wars between um you know developed superpowers and i mean ukraine's not a, a superpower but they have a modern army they right. have they're a very modern city you know they have internet they have you know sports teams and they compete all over europe and they're they're very modernized and so is russia and so that's really the big difference between um you know the the tactics of the olden days you know world war one world war two and today is that now they have to you know your voice is equally a, a potent weapon as um you know a gun a bullet mm -hmm. right so let's get more into that um about military and military power when i was looking up basically about uk's military today um they had this chart. Do you have the chart right there? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they were basically, it was talking about, you know, how the 2014 UK military was, you know, almost nothing. It wasn't that great. Um, they weren't a great threat. But now, you know, we can see they've evolved a lot. And I definitely don't think it's going to be an easy fight anymore for Russia. You know, I think if they would have done this, a while ago, it would have been different, but now we're we're seeing, you know, these kind of improvements. You want to talk about any of these? But I mean, they still have the ground numbers, though. That's the big thing. Yeah, I mean, both both of these, um, both both of these years here are very interesting to look at. Like, for example, their air force uh, actually went got a little bit smaller <laughs> oh, uh, between twenty fourteen and twenty twenty, and that surprises me because. In, you know, 2014 was when Russia invaded them the first time and took Crimea. Mm -hmm. So the fact that, you know, they, they lost all of these aircraft or, or whatever happened to them, I, I'd be interested to find out. I mean, maybe they had it based in Crimea and it got captured by Russia. I don't know. But that that really jumps out at me. And then um, the another thing that jumps out at me is if you look at their their military size look how small it is in, in 2014 64,000 yeah. members of the army you know they, they only have 5,000 airborne troops which is different than the air force on this chart but in in 2020 look their army has grown by over double yeah so i mean it's not going to be an easy fight unlike as you know as it could have been before um so, NATO, um, we know our buddy Silent was kind of talking about this this morning. Yeah. Um, can you just explain what NATO is, like a brief? Sure. So, NATO is the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Yes, yes, it is. I got it right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know I was being evaluated. But, I could have used them once. So, uh, yeah, NATO is a North Atlantic Treaty Organization, and they were formed in the aftermath of World War II to contain the threat of uh, the, the, the Soviet Russia uh, because they had lots of military um, 
ambitions at that time. And so NATO was formed to protect all of the countries that signed up for NATO against any kind of an invasion. So, you know, NATO is really, it really hasn't been tested um, like this before because there have been, you know, many smaller incidents like, you know, Georgia was invaded. I mean, Georgia's not a member of NATO, but um, it's on the, it's in the area of, you know, that NATO operates in. Um, there were some other smaller battles that happened, um, but nothing against actual, you know, Russia. They, yeah. This is the first time that they're being put up against what they were created to counter. Right. So NATO was created to encounter Russia? Yes. Okay. So... Is this different from, I heard Biden today saying that, you know, um, repercussions for this act could be removal from a global bank or something? Swift? I, yeah. Swift. What, yeah. What? What's that? What's going on with that? Well, you know, I, the way that I understand it is that it's a technology that was created to allow banks and businesses to do international business. So... You know, in the in the modern age, we don't send you know shipments of 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 money overseas. It's all done digitally, and so being cut off from SWIFT would be like if your bank froze you out of your account. You know, you can't do anything. Like you can't you you no longer have access to transfer that money from the bank into your wallet. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is so, but is this uh? Because Biden was talking about this. Is this a decision that, you know, American council will make? Or is this part of NATO? What NATO would be like, we're mm -hmm. not going to do this anymore. Well, SWIFT isn't controlled by NATO. Mm -hmm. But it the countries that are in charge of SWIFT are largely also part of NATO. So right. there is, there's an overlap, right? Mm -hmm. So... Um, it's not America's decision. Right. It's it's a, a group decision of countries that uh, have the power to change SWIFT. And did Russia agree to this power at some point? Is this um, virtually everybody on the planet ha has agreed to it because uh, every every country that I'm aware of has access to SWIFT because like if if my bank needs to send money to another bank in in china swift is how they do that right. you know so if swift is cut off for my country then basically i can't do business overseas so that that's really the the reason why swift is such a powerful tool is that um, you know, Russia, like any other country, has lots of exports and they need to buy things and bring them into Russia. And if they can't do business outside of Russia, then that's going to dramatically hurt their economy. So that's why it was being used as a threat. Um, do you think the U.S. is going to respond in more ways? I mean, I already see that my cousin left to ship out to deployed. Yeah. We've already got two of our family out who mm -hmm. left this morning in Kentucky Air Force Base, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so 
positive prayers and vibes to everyone in the U.S. who's going out there to help fight this um, this terrible situation. But uh, that does make me think of, um, you know, re refugees. People are fleeing, going places. Um, and we're always at, obviously, like, a border policy refugee war here in America. But I definitely think this will spark a refugee talk again. Mm -hmm. worldwide again i felt like we just got over um the last one kind of stopped hearing from it um uh, was it from syria? syria yes exactly yeah. um but you know this is it's a different level you know it's 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 all so circumstantial but i am really interested to see what's going to happen with refugees and also um the people who are dated or marrying or have family from russia the dating married have family in Ukraine, like there's fear on both sides because you don't know, you know, both are under attack now. So it's so scary. Mm -hmm. I've been watching people talk on TV about how their like husband is UK and they're Russian and it's just like a terrifying time for them. And there's just so many aspects to um, a war that are to be taken in consideration. I mean, it's not just like, funding the war or dealing with all these negotiations it's keeping your people safe and yeah. soldiers and feeding soldiers and clothing people and destruction of home destruction of property redoing you know like everything um so yeah there's a lot of factors um to this invasion you know there was uh, a, a story up that someone posted this morning on reddit and it was a Ukrainian uh, person, and he was saying that, you know, he had depression before this war because of the fact that, you know, when somebody's menacing your country and can destroy you, it, it gives you a sense of hopelessness. And that the, the morning that I read this story, Ukraine rolled out a mandatory... Uh, draft of all males from 18 to I think it was 59 years old so all of these wow. people are being pulled into the military and you know not all of them are going to make it back and for you know regular people that are not in the army who just want to you know come home and and not have to worry about their safety and security this is a huge upheaval for them. Yeah. It is. The last time that my family was fighting was with in Japan a few years ago. Mm -hmm. But it's secret ops and nobody knows, but it's like, this is going to have a lot more, you know, heartaches. Um, but you brought up a great point with that story. And that's what we're going to talk about once we get back from the break here in a minute is basically what I think is most important. And it's way more important than the information that I'm giving you. It's going to be how you can try to stay positive, try to keep your spirits up during um, hard times like these. So we're going to thank Alec for coming on and giving us a little bit of a rundown. Thank you, Alec. Well, thank you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did the awkward. <laughs> All right, we're going to be right back. 
Hey everyone, so we are back and um, just kind of want to talk about the mental health side of what's going on with the war. Um, and, you know, soldiers, um, we commonly hear, especially for those of us in the United States, um, I know over here and, eh, you know, in Britain too, a lot of my Britain friends talk about the struggles of PTSD and, you know, we have veterans, we have veteran suicide efforts and active duty, mental health, all of these things are extremely important. But um, we also have to remember that, you know, just your regular bystander of war is going to have a lot of PTSD. I mean, if you yourself are in one of these areas, uh, this podcast is broadcasting to over 150 countries. So if you are in one of these areas, um, it's important that you not only survive the war physically and you know, um, things like that could be just trying to stay out of fighting areas. Um, um, you know, making yourself strong brick shelter, um, insulated, you know, if you're in woods, you know, avoiding confrontation, all those like physical ways, but there's the mental you know, struggle that you're going to be going through now until, I mean, I, I mean, I would say somebody myself who has PTSD, I would say forever. I mean, I'm not sure if there is really that end, um, with PTSD, but I've been suffering with it for over 20 years. So I know how hard it is. So just in these times, it's important to, you know, make sure that you're taking steps that you can to reduce anxiety. You know, keep your head clear in stressful situations. Try to have a plan. Um, you know, make sure you develop and you refine those emergency plans that can help you stay positive. You know, um, it'll always ensure you have a procedure in place. Something goes wrong, you know, not plan A, plan B, but you need plan C, D, E, F, G, H, I, all the way down. You know, you always, it's, it's a very, um, scary time and uncertain and it's important that you're making little steps that you can to have some type of certainty even if that's just having 30 black backup plans written down um you want to make sure that you're building and maintaining your relationships if that's with family with friends support groups people in your shelter people around you um maintaining relationships with others is so important at this time and, and, um, you know, it's, it's a great way to help you stay positive. Um, sometimes other people have been through worse things than you and you can kind of be like, all right, maybe it isn't so bad. And sometimes you can be the person in the worst situations and people are thinking, man, if they can get through that, I can get through this and you can work together. Um, and you know, I do know at this time, um, there are a lot of opportunities where you're at to either help out or to defend, um, your area, your space, you know, just make sure you're in constant communication with people that are in your area around you. Um, and then hopefully you guys have some, some, um, some kind of communication outlet with somebody higher up. 
Um, but, you know, your little community where you're at, even if it's just you're the... I mean, again, I'm not even... Oh, okay. Sorry about that. So, um, basically just make sure you're positive and, um, make sure you're always trying to share some kindness. You know, if you can volunteer, help other people out, help yourself, obviously first, if that's most important, because you can't help other people unless you are good to go. Um, you know, practice gratitude, you know, be thankful for what we have right now. And, really just find common ground and people around you to form some kind of bond and really stay together at this time. That is the best advice that I have. Well, thank you everyone for listening and we will see you on the next episode of Weekly Chit Chat.